Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a beautiful, lovely, spicy, saucy Italian hot mama, Miss <laughs> Teresa Kassar from the Spiritual Gangsters podcast. How the heck are you, lovey? I am great after that intro. Jeez, it was like boost to my ego. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> These are good times, good times. We right. have to be nice to each other, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so I am super excited that you're on here with me today. I was just on her show recently, had such a good time, um, such an amazing person, and <laughs> we have some things to discuss about Canadian corrosion today. It's yeah, bad. Hey. It's bad news, <laughs> honestly. It's a crazy time in Canada, and I think... Uh, Trudeau actually just made a speech yesterday. I didn't hear the whole thing, but he's again pushing for like, we need to be 90% vaccinated. And oh, said, for, oh, do you guys have the new, the new uh, booster bullshit I, they came out with that has the flu and the jibber jabber all in one? Yeah, probably. That's probably what he's talking about. We need to be like 90% boosted across the board and then we can live normal life. And I'm just like, but you've said that the whole time. And statistic wise, apparently we are like around that mark. So why are you still saying this? <laughs> he's such a putz. He is the worst. So um, first, I want you to give people a little uh, peeky poo into you because um, a lot of people may not have run across you yet. So I want you to kind of like introduce yourself and why you do what you do. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, first of all, obviously. Absolutely. Um, so I'm Teresa, obviously. I am Canadian. I'm from Toronto. Uh, I'm a mom of two young boys. Um, what else do I do? I'm kind of like what I would consider a big threat to the elites in a sense because <laughs> I am a stay-at-home mom who has a lot of time on her hands. And what I do at that time while I do housework and chores is I listen to things and I educate myself. Mm -hmm. so, Amen. So, yeah. So basically the last two years, I've just been like uncovering information like rapidly. I would say I was like mildly, well, medium awake before, let's say. Because mm -hmm. I did go to um, university for media studies, um, and oh in that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, and, and do you have the indoctrination in yours that we do here? <laughs> no, actually, I was very fortunate. At the time I went to school, it was like pre woke college, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the, the actual name of my program was Media Information Technoculture. So it's like. Mm. How does corporate corporate life work with governments and media? And we just learned that like it's all corrupt. Mm -hmm. Literally, my whole program, my professors were very cool. It was right after 9-11, like I was in university 2002 to 2006. So there was a lot of like questioning going on. And I right. think they kind of instilled that in us. We learned about like Bilderberg Group. We learned about Trilateral Commission um how it's so funny because yeah. you did not learn that here right. at all other than these places are are amazing organizations right. <laughs> yeah I wonder how it is now like I really mm. don't know how the program is now but it started out very like alternative and very unique so mm -hmm. that I'm very grateful 
from right. my time in school because it totally shifted my perspective. I, I went into that program thinking I'm going to become a flashy advertising executive or like <laughs> <laughs> some like famous journalist or news anchor or whatever. <laughs> nope. After the program, I was basically like, so everything is a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, they never tell you the truth. They lie about everything. And I don't want to be a part of that. Right. So my response was just don't participate. But you know, the good thing is that you have that background and that knowledge, which makes you an even more uh, sought after commodity in these times. Well, because you have that that the actual real journalistic background yeah it's in- really interesting so the program it ended up being very theoretical uh so we learned like about tied into like psychology and like edward bernays and like propaganda mm-hmm. and, like that they don't teach you here literally <laughs> just prepared me for now like right that, i have to say there's certain segments of my life that really seem to like prep me for this current time in history right so that is one Uh, My minor was in history, particularly ancient civilizations and totalitarianism. Mm. (laughs) It was like, well, also very helpful knowledge for right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like how dictatorships form. And Mm. yeah, so that's interesting. And then um, after I worked in advertising for like two years and I was just like, this is so soul sucking. Like I cannot Mm. do this anymore. So I just followed my followed my passions like a true millennial that I am. <laughs> it's like had a thousand jobs. I'm like, I hate this job. We need a new job, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Oh, such a millennial. And then um, I ended up uh, studying yoga for a while and mm-hmm. spirituality, Eastern philosophies, which got me into like spiritual seeking. I've always kind of been like that, very very God minded. I've always mm-hmm. had, good had questions and wondered i was raised catholic um but yeah Same. so i have like a good understanding of like both sides western philosophy and eastern philosophy so all those like segments i feel really helped to like get a very quick grasp on what was happening right now right yeah absolutely so um what what made you like start your podcast is this the first podcast you've had or did you do something else beforehand? Uh, so basically um, around, I want to say like April 2020, you know, when like the world went crazy in March. Mm-hmm. And then I was maybe like mildly concerned about the sea, <laughs> the big sea <laughs> for uh, a little while, then maybe like a week or two. And then I started to see on the newscast, I was like, but that doesn't make sense what they just said, you know, exactly. Using mm. that background to be like, deductive mm. reasoning. Hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh, gee, maybe we should take this seriously. And then after I hear heard the languaging, how they were talking about it, and like things mm. that they would reinforce, I was like, Mm-mm-mm, something is a fishy here. <laughs> so I would literally have a pad of paper, like at the six o'clock news, and like write down the statistics that they would throw out, like the number of cases, the number of deaths, and then they'd say like, this is the death rate, and da da. And I would like add it up or do the math, and I'm like, but that doesn't even. That's not even mathematically correct. Well, hey, if you're if you're in the United States, especially <laughs> if you live in Oregon, mm-hmm. um, math is racist and oh. math is too difficult. So the governor did away with math. Oh my god! And of course, science, because um, <laughs> any people of color 
it's too hard for them. Oh, like that right. wasn't a bad statement to make. So math in the United States is a difficult trying concept. Um, so don't expect them to add numbers together and them make sense. That is just not racist at all. No, <laughs> no. Well, it really shows in the news, uh, the, the news anchors that they have because, man, mm -hmm. like these people were rhyming off stats and I was like, this doesn't make no sense. So then I would take the numbers and then um, research them like independently on like Stats Canada, mm -hmm. comparing flu numbers. I think there was like a worse flu in, uh, well, I mean, because flu is comparable, right? So right. worse flu, I think in 2018. Mm -hmm. And also in like 2012, because I remember right. my, my son was born that year. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even know that the flu was that bad back then. Um, yeah. So I was just like, oh, this is really like probably not much to worry about, you know, mm -hmm. for most, for the vast majority of people. Um, so then I started to use my own personal social media just to, my intention was just to show media bias and media lies. Right. Just try to like show, okay, well, like they said this, but like, don't believe it because here's the evidence to, to the contrary right. or like did you know that there's only like six real media corporations in pretty much the whole world exactly uh, that control everything so really you think that you're getting alternative news but it's it's, it's really all the same it's not right. so because a lot of people are not aware of that so that mm -hmm. was how I started and then it just like snowballed from there I went like hard in my story sharing things for you know the last two and a half years and then I just finally was like I should probably just say it on a microphone like mm -hmm. I never would really talk on my social media I'd always just like post pictures or whatever so right. the podcast is like my I guess way of showing more of myself mm -hmm. um, and then also because of um, speaking out online I had the pleasure to like connect with so many interesting and beautiful people Mm -hmm. so I really wanted to have a space to like showcase their stories and I found that a lot of us seem to have very common um characteristics perhaps right. yeah so absolutely kind of, yeah so I wanted to have like a space to show them off <laughs> yeah and that's what I love about you because um you're like me you are not gonna pussyfoot around something you're just gonna say it yep and that's what I value the most, especially in today's society, because there's so many people that have to think about, you know, is their word going to hurt someone's feelings or what, I, I don't care. Yeah. Because, that is, oh. And then I don't mean that in a, in a nasty way, but no. if somebody gets offended by something I say or my tone of voice or whatever, that's a them problem, not a mm -hmm. me problem. Absolutely. I actually had a girl um, who you would say is quote unquote on our side. Uh, recently, mm. I shared something about, I want to say, uh, metallic portions of the pokey thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh, this information is too disturbing for people. You should put a trigger warning on it. And I was like, trigger warning? Sorry, have you been here for the last two years? <laughs> I'm not going to trigger warning anything. Like, if you don't want to be here, you could just mute me or unfollow. Like, that's fine. I'm like, exactly. I'm not here. I'm not here to babysit your feelings. And right. like, I think to me, like, truth is love. 
Right. Exactly. I, and it talks about that in the Bible. Absolutely. A harsh truth over a beautiful lie any day. So 100%. That's just how I see it. But not everybody will agree. <laughs> but when so when you started your your show The Spiritual Gangsters, did you uh do it by yourself? Or no. did you immediately start out with a co-host? Yeah, so uh I was lucky to through this process of you know truth digging i guess the last couple of years uh connect with new york patriot who has new york patriot show he's on one half of the occult rejects so him and i just kind of hit it off in terms of like sharing information and we just had a good like rapport and i told him i was interested in podcasting he was like well why don't you just co-host with me sometimes so i was like sure so i think he was looking for kind of like a female co-host sometimes mm -hmm. And so that started out that way, uh, maybe like this past spring. And then uh, I started the Spiritual Gangsters with him mm -hmm. because one, he's awesome and yes. we have yes. a good rapport, like a good back and forth, but also he's like my tech wizard. <laughs> I know, right? He's mine too. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. Can you just do it for me? No, I'm kidding. But uh, no, he's a great help. And um, he's been like a really good friend through everything. So I'm really appreciative of him as well. Yeah. And you guys are both saucy Italians. So <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. It does. It's funny because like we talk a bunch, you know, like obviously we're friends. So we talk on the personal level sometimes. And it's like our upbringings are very similar. I mm -hmm. feel him and him in the New York area and me in Toronto. It seems that like the Italian uh, Canadian and Italian American experience is very similar. <laughs> so, so were you like the typical Italian family that like everybody has to eat together on Sundays and it's like this big to do and yes and no. So it's funny, like my family, uh, like we are Italian background, both my parents, um, and both of them are actually, so I'm like a fourth generation Canadian, I think, mm -hmm. or third. I don't know exactly. <laughs> my great grandparents came here from Italy, uh, as, uh, my great grandfather, one of them as a young boy. Uh, so we've been here a while, which is more like uncommon in the Toronto area. A lot mm -hmm. of people like my age, I'm in, I'm 38. So a lot of people are like first generation or second generation uh, immigrant children. So mm -hmm. my husband makes fun of me. He says, I'm a munji cake. I'm whitewashed. <laughs> he's, like, he's not Italian. He's Maltese. That's so similar. He's, you know, Mediterranean, but right. Uh, he, he speaks like his heritage language. I don't speak Italian because when my great grandparents came here shortly after was World War II mm -hmm. and Italians were very prejudiced against. It was not good to be Italian. They had internment camps for Italians right. and Japanese, which is uh, a lot of people don't know that a lot of people forget mm -hmm. that. Only, right. oh, yes. Only one group can be prejudiced against. Nope. Everyone's right. been prejudiced against newsflash. So a hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. We've all, we've all had our turn, which is yeah. unfortunate, but it's the truth. Right. Right. So, yeah. So at the time, uh, my great grandfather did not speak Italian to his kids on purpose. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to speak English and be Canadian. Right. So, yeah. So uh, we kind of lost that. But we culturally and traditionally, yes, we were one of those big, loud families that eats, you know, eats on Sundays together at our grandparents' house for a long time. That's sort of faded now, unfortunately, but mm -hmm. uh, the the culture remains. Yeah. And I think it, it's so it's so sad when you lose like those 
traditions and those family connections. Cause I know like, um, my family, like we always used to go to my grandma's house and like all the cousins and yeah. everybody was there and stuff. And we'd have these huge holidays and things. And then when both of my grandparents passed away, that completely quit. It seems that there's usually like one or two key glue people of the family, mm -hmm. the glue. Right. And like my grandfather was one and he passed away, I think in 2014. Mm -hmm. So really changed after that. Um, yeah. What's what's your ethnicity, Janet? <laughs> <laughs> Are you a mutt? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and this is why I get such a chuckle when people are like, you're a Nazi. <laughs> um, we are German Jewish. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so don't really know the story back there behind that whole diddy do. Um, <laughs> but... You know, when ancestors came here, they actually changed and shortened yes. greatly um, the last name. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, that's that's one side of my family. That's like my dad's side of the family. And right. then uh, my mom's side of the family is like, I don't know, Italian something else. I, I don't Irish. That's okay. what it was. Nice. And so, yeah, like I have, uh, and I can see it. Uh, I'm loud, and <laughs> that's Italian. I'm um, I'm obnoxious. That's Irish. You're passionate. <laughs> that's the word. Passionate, not obnoxious. Passionate. <laughs> yeah, and so it's so funny though, and it's like you know, being such a mix of literally everything, and then it's people are like, "You're a Nazi," because <laughs> you know you don't go along with. The main story. I've always been that way, though. I've yeah. always, like, questioned and whatever, especially growing up, like we talked about on your show, growing up at Catholic school and Catholic church and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so I always had questions. I used to get my hands, like, my knuckles beat mm. bloody by rulers from mm. nuns because, you know, I shouldn't be asking those kind of questions. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Yeah. School is yeah. different. By the time I went to school, I accidentally went to Catholic school till grade six, and then uh, did you say accidentally? No, actually. Or oh, what did I say? I just said I accidentally <laughs> went to Catholic school. No, that's that a total mistake. Six. And then uh, I went to a private school after that, but it was like it was Anglican, but like they didn't really focus on on any religion really at all. So mm -hmm. we didn't. I did not have that experience, but um, my mom did, and my brother did, as he went to like a. Very strict, all boys Catholic private school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so funny because uh, back in the day of the Stone Age, when I went to you know <laughs> Catholic school, um, we did have nuns that taught. You know, and it wasn't like now where it's full of like regular teachers and stuff. I mean, it was actual nuns, and they carried yeah. you know rulers around with them, and they would whack your knuckles with it, or you know take a board and beat your rear end or you know whatever that things is, that you can't do now that is scary honestly yeah. not pleasant but i guess it did keep you in line probably to an extent till i got out yeah. <laughs> yeah. no i mean like behaved in class like quiet <laughs> sometimes i wish they'd bring that kind of corporal punishment back because yes. like, i have two rowdy young boys and sometimes i'm like you did they just need a smack that's yeah. how it is and you know what i am a fan of that 
Um, I think that is when a lot of decay and rot in our society start happening is when you can't discipline your own children. Uh, You know, you can't like none of that. Like, oh, my God, if you spank your child because they're throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of the grocery store, you can't touch them or we will call the police on you. Yeah. It's like, really? <laughs> Sometimes you just need your ass beat. And and I don't know about you, but like um, when I was growing up, my parents had this look. And if they shot me that look. Oh, yeah. I knew I had better never, ever do whatever it is I did ever again. Yo, that's And so I true. was terrified just of that look. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, like they're they're literally I think they're going to kill me. Yeah. And so, you know, I I tried really hard when I had my daughter to master that. It did not work. It's not easy. And I honestly think the kids are different. Every every like generation since it's like been this progression of like, yeah, like, I don't know, like I tried to discipline my kids but nothing works yeah and i think um (laughs) like for us here and you you guys your you know food supply and whatever may Mm -hmm. be different but for here i think it is because the amount of chemicals Mm -hmm. and hormones and crap they put in the food yeah that just makes their behavior like something different it's true. I honestly think that's a big, big piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. I see that too with my kids. And now screens. Mm-hmm. It is a losing battle right? to be a parent in 2022, let me tell you, of yeah. young children. It is really hard because you're always trying to like, you know, try to balance technology with mm-hmm. non-screen activities. And it's really hard. It's I very remember. addictive. I remember when uh, my daughter was in middle school and she did something heinous. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm, give me your phone. <gasps> oh, you would have thought the world came to an end. And I'm oh, like, yeah. it's literally for three days. Yeah. They can't Fuck be without sake, it. I'm sure you can survive. Yeah. How am I ever going to talk to my friends oh my god you're ruining my life Ah. and i'm like i'm like here's the deal sweetie like when i grew up we didn't have no phones yep we had the little the rotary dial phone the (laughs) wired phone home yeah and if you wanted to talk somebody you either walked or rode your bike to their house to speak to them in person i love that that is it and and I guess it's because, um, like, that's the era I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I am the same way to this day. I hate technology. Yeah. I would much rather go to someone's house and speak to them in person. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's important to keep that alive a little bit, mm-hmm. like, as much as you can. I know right. probably your, your daughter's got that instilled a bit in her from you. Mm-hmm. I try to, like not emphasize the well definitely not the computer we used to have an ipad and then uh it died and i just never replaced it right i was like forget it you don't need it um i really don't understand these parents or even like in school 
Because now, okay, so. Most of the schools have iPads for homework and shit now. Well, I'm learning this now because I pulled my children out of uh, publicly funded school for the last two years. Good for you. Well, but I put them back in this year. Not good for you. Right. Well, we can talk about that because I think that's a big piece of like what's going on in Canada Mm-hmm. is uh education or lack thereof it's really challenging for for families and people but right. uh, i already see the first day was yesterday and uh they came home with uh something they're gonna do supplementary work on google classroom and i was like pardonnez-moi like uh-huh. why do we need to do that why can't we just put a pen to paper mm-hmm. and just like wrote memory memorize things and like i I'm not a fan. I know a lot of people my age might be, um, but I'm not. I'm a big believer in pen and paper, go read a book, like, but that's getting lost. Honest to God, you learn better when you have to write stuff down. You do. It's so true. 100%. Yeah. That's how I used to study for exams. Mm -hmm. I would just copy my notes. And that's the way, um, like when I was teaching, I did not allow computers or cell phones in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I was like, nope, you're going to write down the notes. You're going to write down what I talk about. I'm like, and trust me, your memory is going to, you know, stay a lot longer with the information that you're given when you write it. Yeah. And it works. It works a hundred percent of the time. It works. Yeah. There's something being said about putting pen to paper. It's different Mm -hmm. than taking notes on a laptop. I've right. never, I've never been a fan. I still use a paper agenda. Like, Same. <laughs> like I don't care for it. Same. Right. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Same. That's so funny. Yeah. I love that. So let's get into the whole, um, Canada situation. Like what were things like for you then? And what are they like now? Okay. So. I'm trying to think of so much has happened in the last two years. Basically, the Canada that I know and grew up with is no longer, mm-hmm. I would say, unfortunately. I just had two friends who moved away to England, and they really mm-hmm. want to come back because they, they miss home. Uh, and I said, don't come back because it's, it's just so different. I mean, yes, like day-to-day living is, you know, we still have a good life. I'm not saying that. Um, but you know, we were once known as like a very free nation, Mm -hmm. very peaceful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful here. Many parts of Canada are really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I live in Toronto. So I'm like one of the busiest cities in the country. Right. Um, so I could say that life here feels very different. It feels very sad compared Mm -hmm. to what it used to be. I mean, I don't, I don't go out, uh, downtown a lot anymore because now I'm old. (laughs) An old lady. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I actually did go out recently and it's like, it's nice to finally see people like coming out again a little bit, but it just Mm -hmm. feels so much quieter than my era of like going to nightclubs and this and that. It's like way different. Right. Um, here in Ontario, it is like libtard central of canada (laughs) like i do not understand there's still people wearing masks on the street Mm -hmm. um we did have mask mandate here for a long time uh which was just ruins everything honestly um i can recall trying to assert my rights in several stores of you know saying i'm medically exempt and 
saying, you know, it's within my rights to not wear one. And just mm-hmm. they honestly, people just power trip so bad. I was in like a shopper's drug mart, which is like a pharmacy, mm-hmm. like, a, like a Walgreens, right? And uh, I got attacked by like four employees, all like verbally like assaulting me with my two children beside me. And uh, to the point that I honestly, I left in tears. And I was just like, this is not worth, like to me, it was not worth um, making a scene like that, like with my kids. I apologized to my children after because I, it was very traumatizing for them. Um, and it's like really like, I've shopped here my whole life and because I won't put a thing on my face, mm-hmm. you are like harassing me. Like it's, it was crazy. Uh, so that was traumatizing. <laughs> that was my, my traumatizing foray into like shopping. Uh, what else was going on here? Even um, kids sports, they wanted to like, they, they did mandate the pokey thing for age 12 and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily my children are not affected by that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we as parents, well, I mean, the hockey is like religion here, you know, right. in Canada. So my sons play hockey. Um, I would not have been allowed to enter the arena, mm-hmm. uh, to accompany him because I was unjabbed. Uh, so we did not sign him up for hockey because we talked about it with him and he said he didn't want to go in by himself. He's only nine years old right? at the time. And honestly, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, can you imagine, you know, something happens to your kid and you're not there? Right. Like hockey, exactly. is, a, hockey is a, is a you know, intense sport. Like they could get injured easily. And then what? The coach is there with like 20 kids by himself mm-hmm. and can't like stop to help. It Honestly, it just is so stupid. So what was it like um, as far as like if a family member got hospitalized mm. or anything like that? Yeah, so I actually had a friend who um, had to go to the hospital because her mom was battling cancer. And, you know, we kept hearing about, oh, don't overwhelm the hospitals. The hospitals are overwhelmed. She sent me a video of the hospital empty Mm -hmm. when she went, uh, which I posted on my social media and it, like, blew up. Right. (laughs) And people were, like, dumbfounded that Mm -hmm. the hospital was empty. In terms of, like, COVID care, I did hear that hospitals were same like they're uh, receiving financial incentive uh-huh. for COVID cases, pushing people on the ventilators. Right. Um, I don't know if we have the remdesivir protocol here, like you guys do there. Right. I think I think it might be used, mm. but I don't think it's like the only course of action that they take. Which is so funny because, um, like, just recently the NIH secretly under the cover of night changed their protocol uh to include ivermectin i heard uh, that <laughs> which they demonized for <clears throat> a really long time and anybody that uh takes ivermectin is taking unapproved treatments and blah 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 blah, blah and yeah now all of a sudden it's like trying to act like it was approved all along and it was fine and part of their protocol and stuff this is the kind of shade that they do here in our system and and like you and i have talked about before on your show um like the financial incentives and the money that they get because the government's declared an emergency um that means those facilities get extra funding and extra incentives to not only diagnose with that um but also put that on death certificates because yes. of the big payout. 
it's a yes. huge payout and people don't people don't get that mm -hmm. um but like as far as hospitalizations or nursing homes there if you were unjibber jabbered were you allowed to visit family or no nope same as here as far as i understand actually i have a friend who is head of admissions at a, a senior home here mm -hmm. and i think initially when uh when things started up she was telling me that they had to either they moved all their people who were sick to the hospitals but then not to overwhelm the hospitals the sick people came back mm -hmm. to the um old age home Mm -hmm. and Which then what they did here right and therefore then i mean if you want to go by germ theory therefore like spreading more illness breeding more illness right. honestly it's such a disaster here then i know they have uh, fired a lot of unjabbed nurses mm -hmm. Same. And, and doctors so there's less medical staff right um you know they canceled people's cancer screenings uh my own mother put off a surgery because she didn't want to get tested Right. Uh, or be pressured into being jabbed to receive her surgery. So it's like people have put off all these health issues mm -hmm. and now it's like a huge cascade effect. Mm -hmm. And then with like even more, you know, pressure on the system. Right. It's a disaster because here we have um, uh, like publicly funded healthcare, mm -hmm. which people think is great. It sounds good in theory. A lovely communist idea. Exactly. <laughs> Hmm. That was started. That was started by Bob Ray, who was, I think, it was premier. Honestly, it was the premier of Ontario. I might be wrong on that, but uh, he was part of the NDP party, which is our new New Democratic Party, which is a very left leaning uh, political party. So it it sounds great in theory. It used to be pretty good, uh, but right. now it's like you know, if if you have something really wrong with you, you have to wait months and months. Mm -hmm. to be seen by a specialist you could even be waiting a year for like an mri right. like this is crazy and then That's, a lot of, a lot of I, people do fly to the u.s for private care right i was gonna it. i was gonna say i have um a really good friend that lives in the uk that has the funded health care mm. um and he hurt his shoulder mm-hmm and waited literally three years for them to fix it. Come on. So what happens, you know, after time, you know, tissue breaks down, uh, mm -hmm. you get all kinds of other issues because you've had to wait so long. And so the whole concept of, oh, it's, it's great. It'll be, you know, here it's taxpayer funded. Yep. We're paying for every every person on the planet to have health care, you know. And I, I, to me, it's it's stupid because all you're doing is delaying that time because yes. doctors need paid, right? Yeah. And even here, like with the Medicare and Medicaid system, and what a lot of people don't get about that is there is a set price that that's all they will pay, mm -hmm. and the rest of it, if you're uh, contracted with them as a write-off and so like if you know government healthcare says uh no this isn't covered or we're only going to cover you know a certain amount or whatever yeah that's a lot of money that that doctors and facilities lose out on oh geez yeah 
So any kind of government healthcare is is not a great idea because uh, if your healthcare providers aren't making money mm-hmm. doing what they went to school a long time to do, yeah, think about their attitudes. Well, I can give you an example of that here. So my kids were going to a pediatric uh, clinic, mm-hmm. and we had you know one main doctor and whatnot. I maybe saw her a handful of times, like right, not very many. And because I could never get an appointment at this clinic, every time I would call and they would, if my child was unwell and needs to be seen, mm-hmm. there's no times. Oh, the doctor's busy. You have to come like in two days. I'm like, why well, my ch- kid is sick today. Mm-hmm. Like they need to be seen now. So uh, the odd time I have like a more old school family doctor myself, he would see my kids or I would take them to a walk-in clinic. Let's have like an ear infection or whatever. Right. So I would do that. But then... I went to make an appointment for one of my children at the pediatric clinic. And the doctor said, oh, you're no longer a patient here. I said, what do you mean they're no longer a patient? Oh, we sent you a letter in the mail last year. Didn't you get it? Mm -hmm. Because you went to see another doctor. We can't bill for your visits. So Mm -hmm. uh, you're no longer a patient. They basically kicked us out Mm -hmm. because they couldn't bill the government. Mm-hmm. because I, I took the kids to another doctor, but it's like, you didn't have an appointment. Exactly. So, and that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things too, that a lot of people I think miss the boat on anytime it's socialized medicine. Um, you don't get a say, you don't get a choice. They will tell you where you're going to go and that is it. Yep. And if they don't have any time to see you, Tough shit. Yeah. It's Hope like, your arm doesn't fall off in the meantime. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, are we not supposed to not be overwhelming the system? Or aren't we supposed to be keeping, you know, colds and sore throats out of the emergency room? So isn't it in your best interest to just take a look at my kid's throat for five seconds? Yeah. And the whole, when you mentioned um, the hospital mm-hmm. being empty, they tried to pull those shenanigans here too, where they're like, oh my God, they're so overrun, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they had let so many staff go. Yes. And your numbers are based on your census. And if your census is low and they're calling people off work or they fired a bunch of people because they didn't get jibber jabbered, that means that you only have so many beds available. It doesn't mean that all the beds are full. It means there's not enough staff to cover what is available census-wise. Yes, I think you explained that to me. Yeah, and that's the thing that people don't understand, but that that is the business of healthcare, and that is how hospitals always work. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I got called off of work because there wasn't enough patients entering the hospital that they lowered the bed count and and it happens literally all the time it's kind of like a restaurant when they're saying it's overrun it's not actually overrun with patients there's just not not enough staff to cover the beds that they actually have that aren't full right yeah Yeah, it's kind of like a restaurant when you're a waiter uh Mm -hmm. and you have your section if your section is not busy they close your section and you go home 
Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. exactly what it's like. Yeah. 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 But then they'll report in the news that the hospital is, you know, over capacity, but it's mm-hmm. like you determined the capacity, you changed the capacity. Exactly. Right? So they're like, that's exactly what it is statistics basically right yes that's exactly what it is and it's Mm -hmm. so funny that you brought up that comparison because it is the same exact thing and so they could turn around and go oh but our restaurant is completely packed to the gills it's overwhelmed (laughs) when you literally have half the restaurant where there's no people in right and uh, tons of empty tables but you literally sent your staff home exactly that's that's the problem it's crazy and another like really sad thing was um during lockdown which lasted so long here i don't know how long it was there i think us in australia like ontario specifically had like the worst lockdowns in the world Mm -hmm. which is just it still sounds crazy to me like to say it out loud and it just like really hurts my heart Mm -hmm. it was so hard especially with like young children everything closed uh they, I feel too. That's like a huge uh, was a huge opportunity for the kids to get more addicted to screens. A hundred percent. Because you know, and I even took them out of school on purpose because I didn't want them to do online school. I didn't want them to like be on a computer for like twelve hours a day. Right. Um, plus, then they'll ask you know to watch their shows and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge thing. But my uh, my father has a really good friend who's uh, a pediatrician as well. And he was the only pediatrician open in the whole of Toronto during lockdowns. Jamie, Christmas. One doctor's clinic in the whole city. Everyone else was too scared. Or as large as your population is. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And he technically should not have been open. Like, I think technically what he was doing was illegal i suppose but he said he's like i'm ashamed of my profession absolutely ashamed yes this is this guy i i don't know if i he would want me to say his name so i won't but um this particular doctor he's fearless man he was like one of those doctors who volunteered in like war zones Mm -hmm. he's syrian so he like had volunteered in like in war zone in syria he's just like such humanitarian and he was like, I'm not closing. Like, if your child is sick, please come. I even had COVID myself. Well, supposedly I had COVID in, <laughs> uh, in January last year. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he let me come with the kids because they were then sick shortly after me. He mm-hmm. let me come so he could check them out. And he just said, just just wear a mask. Um, he's like, it's fine. You can come. And I was like, wow, this guy is like, like a saint. Like, Yeah. And know? that's seen in. What gets me is there's so many people, nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, medical assistants, whatever, mm-hmm. that really forgot their schooling. Yeah. You forgot your training mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter what you, quote, have or were diagnosed with. Yeah. You treat everybody the same. Yes. You use standard precautions. You wash yeah. your hands, you know, yeah. the whole nine yards. And so, and, and it's like they f- completely forgot any kind of science that they learned. Yeah. And it's disgusting and it's disturbing. And I will tell you, um, I ran across a news story uh, the other day. Let me see if I have it real quick. 
um, because this is fantastic. You'll mm -hmm. be excited to hear. Okay. <laughs> uh, bear with me a second here. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. I think it was the, well, now I don't see it. It's okay. Um, it was, I believe, in North Carolina. Okay. That they started holding nursing staff accountable. Yeah, here it is. Oh, um, yes. Nurses liable for patient harm carried out under physician's orders near North Carolina court rules. 100,000% that should happen in every state in the United States. It should happen literally all over the world. It should. Because like here, and I think I talked about this on your show, maybe mm -hmm. where they were taking those equipment bags and putting them over patient heads, patients that were live, putting plastic bags for medical devices over patient faces to protect the nursing staff. What? And there's no holes in these bags because they're considered lockout tagout bags that they use for uh equipment that has faulty wiring or whatever you they come on a big roll you know okay. like saran wrap does yeah and you pull a bag down they're super long so you just you know rip it kind of like the produce bags at the store or whatever mm -hmm. but they're real thick plastic and they were bagging patients to keep unbelievable safe. Mm -hmm. that's disturbing yeah Oof. yeah so where are you guys at right now with everything? Um, with everything. Well, for me right now, I'm really kind of focused on like education stuff because um, with my kids just going back to like regular school. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically like I pulled them out um, after. So they were in regularly funded. We have a Catholic board here. So we have mm -hmm. pu public, which is no religion at all. Catholic is like, you say grace before meals. Honestly, that's the only difference here. <laughs> but they were in that kind of school before. And uh, what happened was uh, in the first lockdown, my son, who was in grade two at the time, um, his teacher was not being very supportive at all. It was basically, here's an email with printouts for the week. Just, uh, you know, have fun. Do, do it on your own. Do it on your own. And I was like. And I'm still going to get my paycheck. Oh, yeah. Teachers here, Janet, are yeah. disgusting. I'm sorry. 90% of teachers here are trash. I'll just say it on air. I don't give a Same shit. Same here. Yeah. They don't care uh, about the kids. Mm -hmm. They just are there for their amazing pay. Right. Their summers off, their benefits, their uh, union and pension plan is part of the World Economic Forum. Hundred. The, uh, the Ontario Teachers uh, Pension Plan mm -hmm. is part of World Economic Forum. Uh, so that says uh, all you need to know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so basically, my son's teacher was just sending attachments every week and expecting us essentially to homeschool while he sat at home and got paid. Uh, but right. I saw other people's teachers doing great videos, at least, you know, trying mm -hmm. to engage the kids. And they're little they're not able to sit at a computer and read and learn and do work. This right. is a, above their ability at the moment. 
Right. And then what he, I think they were doing like fractions, like introduction to fractions or something. And the guy sends a PowerPoint presentation. And I'm like, he is a little kid. He is eight. (laughs) He cannot do a PowerPoint. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? There are adults that can't follow. (laughs) I was like, what is wrong with this dude? So I talked to him on the phone. We had a phone conversation. And I was like, listen, I'm like, I don't understand why you can't just make a video. Like, I'm happy to assist him with his work, but like, you need to teach the, teach the concept. Right. You know, that's your job. And he's like, well, I don't want to show my face on camera because, you know, there are some lawsuits going on where students have misinterpreted the teacher's tone and, uh, you know, they're getting, um, uh, parents are getting, weirded out about how their teachers talk to their students and I just don't want those kind of problems or like I don't want like a lawsuit on my hands because I say the wrong thing it was like maybe if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing you shouldn't be an educator exactly (laughs) and honestly Janet I think because he was like a good-looking young guy I think he was afraid of like maybe a sexual harassment sort of weird thing going on Honestly, that's what I think. So basically, he told me it's not worth his career to properly teach my child. Which, so I was like, I'm out. I pulled my kids out. I homeschooled them myself for one year on our own. And they were in like a nature school once a week, which was really cool. Uh, But it was hard. And because it wasn't even true homeschooling because everything was friggin' closed. I couldn't even take them to a museum. I couldn't take them to a movie. I couldn't take them to an art gallery. Right. Like nothing. So we were stuck all at home together. It was horrific. And then the following year, they did a learning pod, which is cool. It's the concept of like a small group of kids with a teacher. Mm -hmm. There was like nine kids in their group. It was on a beautiful farm. It was amazing. A beautiful experience. However, learning pods are difficult because you have to pay, obviously, out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, So that's expensive. The particular pod, I was driving very far, so it was a lot in gas. And then gas, you know, Ukraine, know. Russia happened, so <laughs> apparently gas prices just doubled. Oh, so that was crazy. So then this year, we decided, you know what, I really, I just needed simplified. I needed my life back. It, it was, it's taken a huge toll on mothers mm-hmm. in particular. I'm oh, not yeah. saying, you know, dads have had it rough too, for sure. Right. But like, you know, my husband's life didn't change that much. He still went to work every day. Luckily, he was in a sector that was essential. Right. <laughs> He's a trade. So right. construction was considered essential. He didn't right. really. And he is the boss. So he doesn't force his employees to wear a mask. He doesn't enforce any of this ridiculousness. He actually bought the Charter of Rights and Freedoms framed and like put it up nice. on the wall in his office. And he's like, hey. <laughs> exactly. I want to work for your husband. Right? If you come to Canada, you can work for him. Perfect. I don't want to live in Canada. No, I'm sorry. Don't come here. I would come and visit you, but yeah, I would not want to live there now. There's a lot of places I don't want to live. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't recommend it. So um, basically this year, I put them back in at their old school because the mask mandate for children has been lifted for now. Exactly. I'm suspicious of that. term. This is the thing. It's like we're so traumatized. Um, I actually shared a video of a girl yesterday who's been very vocal in like everything happening in Canada. She's wonderful. Her name is Steph Sibio. If you ever check her out on Instagram, 
she was crying, you know, doing an Instagram live yesterday. She was just crying on camera and so mad and upset because she also put her daughter back in regular school because like, how can we afford this long term? Right. How can I afford to, I'm, I was never mentally prepared or financially prepared to pay privately for my children's education. But that's the point. Right. Is because they want to destroy everything they want to destroy like you. that. Exactly. So that you will be completely and totally dependent on the government, whether yes. it is for healthcare or yeah. education or uh, food or literally anything. Yeah. That's, that is their end goal. That's and you what know what? Want. You know, so we did that for a year where we, you know, paid out of pocket for their school and God bless people who can't afford it. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate to go to a private high school. Um, but and not, not everyone can do that. Right. You know, and maybe I would for high school, but I'm not prepared to do it from grade two onwards. Right. Like my goodness, you know? So yeah, it's like, it puts mothers and fathers in such a terrible mm -hmm. position because it's like, not a lot of people can afford that. Plus groceries going up. Plus housing in Toronto is crazy. Right. Real estate prices here are insane. Mortgage is going up. I think you guys, uh, price wise, comparable to like uh, real estate in California. Probably, yeah. I would imagine it's like that. Mm -hmm. Toronto's really bad for that. Vancouver is really bad. Mm -hmm. um, those two cities seem to be the worst. I'm sure Montreal is similar. Those are mm -hmm. like the kind of big three uh, right. cities in Canada. So uh, it, it's brutal, honestly. Like to make a life here is really hard. You better have a lot of money to start out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and luckily, I thought when we bought our house, we were buying in like a crazy time. But, you know, the value on my home and it, my house is nothing special. Let me tell you, it has probably doubled or two and a half times its value right. since 10 years ago. Yeah. Which is insane. And that's um, the way it is around here, too. Property has skyrocketed. Yes. And, of course, we have, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard buying up yeah. all the properties in the United States. And I'm sure yeah. everywhere else, too. But it's like um, there was a house down the road from us that should have been, like, maybe $100,000. Mm -hmm. It was, like, almost 300000 bucks, And I'm like... Yeah, for that, and you would need to redo a lot of shit if you bought that. Oh yeah, here it's crazy. So I'll just give you an example. Like my neighborhood around the time when I bought, I want to say, it's like bungalows, basically, mm -hmm. uh, three bedroom bungalows kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And around here was like five hundred thousand, like ten mm -hmm. years ago. Right. Um, so now you know most houses here are going for one point three. 1.4 million crazy. yeah there that's was, like california stuff yeah just yeah. a house renovated uh down the street from me they listed it at three million i was like we do not live in a three million dollar neighborhood are you on crack <laughs> like it's just yep like, i don't know if they'll get that pricing people out of the market makes yeah. them more dependent again on government yeah, it's honestly crazy. And it really changed um, the neighborhood here because I feel like we bought here because we wanted our kids to be raised in like, you know, a nice um, kind of blue collar, like hardworking, right. like good values. Like we want a neighborhood like that. Right. But because of the housing prices going so high, I feel like people who 
could have could afford more are actually coming here because they feel like it's a deal for them. Right. So now we've got a lot of like this snooty like gentrification. Yes. This whole attitude has changed in the neighborhood. And I'm like, that's not why I bought here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's... You're not my people. <laughs> this, is not, this is not what I signed up for, honestly. So that's kind of like why also, too, we pulled our, our kids out to try a different way mm-hmm. of learning for two years. But honestly, like my goal as like their mom was really to save them from a lot of the indoctrination right. that was going on in school. So, right. you know, the languaging around COVID. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, superheroes wear masks uh, stuff. Correct. I, yes. I noticed it starting mm-hmm. when they got their online work in, in the initial first lockdown. Like my son was in kindergarten, junior kindergarten, and they sent home the thing for Father's Day and everything was COVID-centered. Mm-hmm. For fathers, it was like, I'd like to go to the movies with you, but I can't because of COVID. But my favorite movie to go see with you is this. Mm-hmm. Or like my favorite restaurant to go with you is this, but I can't right now because everything's closed. And they wanted the kids to like fill it out. And I was like, I threw it out. I was like, I'm not giving him this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so I just wanted mm-hmm. to remove them from that like ad nauseum, like sanitize your hands and right. cover your mouth and don't, don't talk when you eat lunch. Right. This was another thing. Uh, voice. What was it? Uh, no voice, no mask or something. I don't know. There was like some weird languaging thing that they were saying, like some slogan, like if you're going to talk, you need to have your mask on. So when you're eating and your mask is off, you can't talk. You need to have silence in the classroom. Can you imagine a, a classroom of kindergartens? No. How creepy would that be if you walk in and it's like zoop? Like I can't imagine a class full of my college students (laughs) not talking. No. And then I did have friends who like did were of like mindedness to to me who did keep their kids in initially and did get them some sort of mask exemption, which was very difficult to get. No doctor would give that to you. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't. But the few Mm -hmm. who did get it their children were ostracized at school. Right. They were made examples of. They were bullied. They were mm-hmm. segregated right. at recess. Oh, well, your two kids can only play in this one little corner because right. they don't wear a mask. Um, or uh, the other kids would bully them. So I had one friend whose who's sons begged her to just let them wear a mask because mm-hmm. they said, Mommy, we can't, we can't deal with this anymore. Right. I just want to wear it so everyone stops bothering me. And, you know, that's the thing behind uh, here. Mm-hmm. Is the fear porn and the bullying into submission. Yes. And you choosing not to wear one is making everyone else uncomfortable. And so, like, they will harass you. And there's a lot of weak-minded people out there yeah, <clears throat> who will give in and do it just because they don't want to be confronted. Totally. Please confront me. Please. <laughs> I'd love to see that happen. I have science on my side. It's so funny because, (laughs) like, when it was going on, like, anytime we would go uh, to the store together, I wouldn't wear one. Never. Good. He's not as strengthful as I am. Right. So he would put one on because he didn't want people to, to bother him. And I kept going, take that shit off your face. Take that (laughs) shit off your face. 
And so I finally got him to the point where he wouldn't do it as long as he was with me. Yeah, I feel like there's power in numbers. So if you're with someone, it's like it's easier to like. It's all about the attitude. Yeah. He went once without me. Security followed him through the store. That's like what happened. You have to wear a mask. Sir, you have to wear a mask. Sir, you have to wear a mask. And he's like, ah, I'm on my way to buy one. He wasn't there. He was there for other stuff. Oh, that's hilarious. They literally followed him around the store and harassed him. Yeah. I have gone by myself most of the time and I would walk in and they'd be like, you got a mask? And I'm like, nope. Do you need? Nope. And I just go about my way or like anytime I'm shopping anywhere, like you have to put your mask on. I'm like, no, actually I don't. Was it mandated there? Uh, or just like highly encouraged suppose uh, certain counties here okay. mm-hmm. um, were mandated gotcha. um, but out here in the countryfied section um, most places were like well you can't come in unless you have one and, he- and here's the beauty of things um, if you go to a restaurant that actually stayed open like the big chains would stay yeah. open but the smaller ones had to close right <laughs> You have to wear your mask to get in the door and to get to your yes. table, and then you can sit down and take it off, and everything's yep. fine. Just amazing, kind of. Sa- and like, or, or you know, you have to wear it at the checkout line at the grocery store. And there again, if you believe in germ theory, right? Yeah. Um, and every single person is touching the same keypad to yes. put in their bank card number. Yes, and they don't clean those. No. Not every time, no. And I was like, I've never seen anybody clean that. Like, they'll put <laughs> the spray on the plexiglass that they put up, but they don't wipe that down. Yep. Uh, you're, you are touching your groceries that you're putting on the conveyor belt that they then in turn touch as well. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, none of this makes any sense. No. And if it <laughs> was so highly contagious. Yeah. Every single person would be sick, but they're totally. not. Yeah. Because that doesn't exist. Right. That's at all. Exactly. You know what's the best uh, logic I heard? So, those are all great examples that you just mentioned. And then also, too, because my dad is a pilot. Mm-hmm. So, he actually did get a proper medical exemption, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, he could still work, although he has difficulty. He encounters a lot of pushback from. Right. From, you know, border agents and this and that. And some people won't fly with him anymore. Like he teaches uh, people how to fly mostly or flies like private planes, like small Mm -hmm. ones. Right. So the best thing is that he can fly as a crew member, as the pilot, Mm -hmm. and not have to quarantine upon his return to Canada. Correct. But if he was a commercial paying customer on an airline, Mm -hmm. he would have to quarantine coming back into the country for two weeks. Mm-hmm. How does that make any fucking sense? It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. And a lot of people, like the common sense factor, yeah. flew completely out the window because, like, people forgot how to think rationally and be yes. like, oh, like, that shit doesn't make any sense. Totally. And, like, putting the arrows on the floor at the store that you have to go this way because, you know, like... <laughs> COVID air only flows one way through the store. And I'd always go, go the other way. You go against this. that. Same. If you go against that. And I'm like, 
that yeah that doesn't make any sense or you know please stand here on this mark while you're standing in line at the grocery store i'm like no bitch i'm gonna get right up on your butt right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's too funny honestly and then like another thing is the canadian media is like such a sham right it's so brutal um i actually think a lot of the uh, main main media so we have like ctv is a big one which is owned by bell media we have cbc which is publicly funded so basically is trudeau's government right (laughs) trudeau's pr people uh i think those are the big the big two oh global which is uh another company but they're all owned by like you know the same corporations at the top right but uh the trudeau government did give them all uh gifts right several years ago lovely monetary incentives. monetary yep mm-hmm. monetary incentives we also have another uh like more locally in toronto there's a pr firm that i know represents like a bunch of like uh, Canadian media personalities mm-hmm. that received like hundreds of thousands of dollars from Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, and just... that's not sus at all. Not at all. Just... <laughs> so that's what, crazy. what are things like now as far as uh, like, are, are things relaxed? Uh, stores back open? Yeah. Uh, like you don't have to wear a mask everywhere. No, things have loosened and relaxed, which is great. I mean, you know, it was funny because I ended up getting like a medical exemption to take my son to hockey. <laughs> so last season I was doing that. Every time I would go to the, to the front, it was so stressful. Like, honestly, I can't even tell you. There's like somebody reading over your exemption. They're like, well, what does this mean? And I'm like, really, I'm being questioned to go into a fucking hockey arena. Like, are you kidding me? Which is a cesspool of germs anyways. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, now, yes, it is more relaxed. Um, I think like you're not, they're not required to ask you your status. Masks are not required anywhere except I think maybe a few medical, mm-hmm. in a few medical settings. Um, I'm not sure about public transit actually because I haven't taken it in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, I did take it downtown. And no, we did not wear a mask and we didn't see very many people wearing there are still, though, quite a percentage right. that wear it voluntarily. Right. Um, and, yeah, so I think mostly it's loosened a lot. Um, and travel-wise, we are still restricted <clears throat> in the sense of, like, so we weren't allowed, us, us unclean people, we're not allowed <laughs> to board. You dirty, dirty yeah. thing, you. We, we weren't allowed to board planes and trains and, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, according to our dictator Trudeau, right, uh, it was not in our uh, in our uh, abilities, in our rights to do so because we had made a choice not to get vaccinated. Uh, but that has since lifted. Although I think to fly to the United States, I don't think we can do that by air because you also have a rule: no, uh, no one jabbed to come into your country, like foreigners. I think technically there's a rule. I don't know well, if you enforce uh, I, it as much. Unless you're flying here from Can- or from uh, China, because <laughs> you know that's that's okay. Because China's China's different and better. Right. <laughs> well, so, according yes. according to Biden, it's great. Right? Well, yeah, because that's <laughs> his business dealings are all yes. with Chinese people. Yep, or Chinese government, I should say, not the Chinese TCP. people. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. let me clarify that before, you know, 
I yeah, have the trolls on you. <laughs> exactly. Which uh, happens frequently. But oh, that's sure it cool. does. <laughs> so uh, medical facilities, for the most part, uh, are still doing mm. mask stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like hospital settings. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently in the airport, uh, it is, people say it's mandatory, but my friend just went and she did not wear a mask the whole time except to go mm-hmm. through security. And then she took it off and right. nobody asked her a thing. The thing in Canada is that we are part of the pilot program, us and I believe the Netherlands, for the digital travel ID. Yes. So uh, the problem is now, like, okay, so, like, I could technically travel to Europe. I could take a vacation somewhere, supposedly not be harassed (laughs) to get on the plane. But Mm -hmm. when I come home, that's more the problem. Coming back to my own country, uh, I will be questioned. I'm supposed to download ArriveCan, Mm -hmm. which is a tracking app um, that tracks your location and collects your medical data. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it collects other data on you as it's on your phone. Um, so that's supposed to be what happens. And you're required to quarantine for two weeks, even if you have a negative test, even if you are uh, like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you have a negative test. I believe vaccinated people do not have to quarantine. And that is the big difference or be questioned as to their whereabouts. But I know a lot of people who have asserted their rights and, not downloaded it exactly. apparently the key in canada is do not speak to public health because they have these like public health officers at the airport and like the land borders mm-hmm. so it's like do not speak to public health like do everything you can not to do that because once you engage in that conversation it's just like a steep downhill from right. there right uh so like i know a lot of people who have crossed into the u.s by land like by car mm-hmm. um but again you know I'm all for that, and I think that's great that people like assert their rights and they do that. However, it's extremely stressful. It's not necessary to do all this. Right. Like it's so unfair that all this shit is happening. Right. Like I can't imagine what if I what if I got an asshole border agent and my kids are in the car and it causes like a kerfuffle, a huge scene. Right. Or I have a friend who did cross the border um, in March this past year. And upon her return home, because they hadn't lifted the unvaccinated restrictions yet, she got ticketed, her and her husband, over $12,000. That's insane. And and I think the whole thing is because they know, because life is a psychological experiment, always yes. has been. Yeah. Um, and, and it's always pushing the envelope to see what they can get away with. Yep. And how far they can go and how far they can push people before they break and give in and, you know, uh, how easily they give in to fear porn and propaganda and, totally. you know, all of that stuff. And it's like, it, it, they are literally pulling out all the stops on every front yes. to, to, oh my God, you're not going to be able to go see your favorite bands anymore. <laughs> right. If you don't, you <laughs> won't be able to go to a sporting event anymore. Yeah me out here in my happy little place i don't give a shit no we, none we of, none used of to go to concerts me. all the time i don't care about any of that no uh, whatever you say i can't do that's completely fine with me yeah because i don't need to do it totally we're the same mind as as you like none of that shit matters you know mm-hmm. it's nice to do if you can 
Right. But I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go get a medical intervention just so I can go see the Blue Jays play. Exactly. <laughs> like, are you kidding nope. me? That's not yep. an incentive whatsoever. Like, what about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Hmm? Oh, God, no. <laughs> For me, no. I know probably a lot of Canadians would be like, oh, my God, I have to go see the Leafs. No. I yeah. say I'm from Toronto, but I say go Habs, go Montreal. So <laughs> it's like the classic rivalry here. But yeah, uh, and that's, that's oh. the thing, though. And so, so where, where do you think uh, right now that your country is going to go? That's a tough question. So we still have, you know, true dope. <laughs> Right now, uh, I honestly, you mean Manny Castro? Yeah, Manny Castro Jr. is in office. Um, with him there, he's obviously you know a, a world economic forum puppet. Um, right. He's just like Klaus Schwab's like young global leader. <laughs> yeah, young global leader. Um, I, apparently, so he has a a half brother. Uh, what's his name? Kyle Kemper. That's his half brother's name, who actually was married to someone that I know. They've since separated, but um, he is speaking out against his brother quite a bit. Uh, it's very interesting things to say. And he says that um, one of the people that's his, one of his advisors or like on his cabinet or something, mm -hmm. he thinks has this like hold over Justin. Mm -hmm. And he says it, it reminds me of like Lord of the Rings when there's like a spell on that king. Mm -hmm. And the the, the the character named Wormwood, ironically enough, because it's like name exactly. of a, name of a devil or demon. And actually, Wormwood is a, a preventative or helps cure COVID, mm -hmm. the tincture. <laughs> I took right. it myself. Right. Yeah. But um, it's like they whisper like lies into their ear, like, po like poison, like his mind or something. So according to Kyle, uh, Justin is, uh, yeah, not in his right mind. Right. Shall we say so? As long so as maybe he, he's under a uh, little MK Ultra. Honestly, my belief is that you know other entities do influence our governments mm -hmm. around the 100%. world. Yep. So I think the real government isn't even human, right? Uh, that's the conclusion I've come to. Well, our so, president is not human. Not there's no way. And then you see that speech he made with all the red lighting. Yes. His, his, his Hitler moment. Yes. And then his pedo Hitler was the hashtag. And that was so funny. And then, <laughs> and then like the next day after calling, you know, 80 million, you know, voters, yep. terrorist and extremist and had to be stopped and whatever. And then I was like, I, no, I don't think that at all. And I'm like, okay, which, yeah, which version of you did they put in? Because we all know, clone? yeah, we all Is know the CIA's got the old, uh, yeah, you know, makeup department and and the totally. mask and crap. I'm like, yeah. so who'd you have step in? Yeah, is it a clone? Is it MK Ultra? Is it demonic possession? Like, mm -hmm. honestly, any of the above would make more sense to me than that's the same person, you know, in their and right you know, mind. <laughs> he's got a, he's got an issue and always has had too with plagiarizing. Mm. Um, and so this speech, uh, the soul of our nation yes. was actually from something written by John Meacham back in 2018. Really? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, he was uh, he was uh, the speechwriter for this. And I'm like, so 
he just pulled shit out of his book or paper or whatever the fuck he wrote. And it's like, here, say this. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. That's, yeah. And, and so, you know, it wasn't actually him that was on stage hmm. because he was able to speak clearly and didn't read word for word what the teleprompter said, like, stop here, pause here. Right. Read yeah. the whole whatever. He was more yeah. organic. Honestly, think uh sometimes like I have this theory, like black eyed Biden is like when mm -hmm. he's like possessed or something, or it's like a different clone, who knows? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes his eyes are really blue and sometimes they're black. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll ever if if you've ever noticed that, That's but demonic possession. I think so. And yeah. uh yeah, but like in terms of Canada, we do I think have an election coming up in a little bit. Um, but I don't really have any hope for that. I know like there is a front runner on the conservative side. Uh, his name is Pierre Poiliev. Um, he sounds way too good to be true. Right. And I'm very suspicious of him also. I really right. think like the whole point of the Trudeaus and the Bidens and the Macrons of the world is to just like push everything so far left. Right. And push us into such a disastrous economic disaster, financial disaster, food disaster, that right. whatever comes next is going to seem like a godsend. Right. And I think that's just the part, their role, that's their part. And then mm -hmm. whatever comes next is actually going to seem good, but maybe be worse. Right. Biblical. It's yeah. the Antichrist. I think so. I think mm -hmm. so. Because he's going to be the one to, uh, you know, seem like a savior to mm -hmm. a lot of people. So right. discernment has to be at an all-time high and, you know, thinking, thinking like a psychopath. I right. use that hashtag on my Instagram all the time. <laughs> hashtag think like a psychopath. Because to me, it's like it would be too simple to just vote in a conservative and oh, magically everything is going to be fine. We have right. a conservative government in Ontario in my right. province. It doesn't make a fucking difference. Right. Are you kidding me? Like, actually, our premier lives literally five minutes from me. <laughs> and I can tell you he's probably compromised. I know for, uh, well, on verbal confirmation that his family's Freemasons. Right. So it's like, listen, who are these people that we're trusting here? Right. They're you know? well, and they're not uh they're not elected, they're selected. Exactly. And so, right? you know, they they're only gonna put in <clears throat> whoever it is that they put in to do what they want to do. Whoever's willing to play ball. And if you're not willing to play ball, you're out. Right. A lot of people actually do say that about our premier, so Doug Ford. His mm -hmm. brother, Rob Ford, was the mayor of Toronto uh, before. And I, you guys probably even know who he is because he was even on Jimmy Kimmel, I think, and stuff. He was like the crazy mayor mm -hmm. who like snorted coke and like... <laughs> he was, he it was fits a, in pretty well then. He was a good time, that guy. And honestly, he was very beloved in, in the city by a lot of people, especially out here where I live is like Ford Nation, they call it. Because they have a lot of supporters. Um, but he was a good mayor, honestly, overall. Uh, however, I don't think he was willing to play ball. Right. If he was going to become premier of the province. Right. So uh, Rob Ford conveniently had cancer. <laughs> Sorry. No, I apologize. No, he can. He conveniently died of cancer a few years before COVID started. Mm. I'm not. I don't know if that was, you know planned or unplanned or whatever but conveniently he's out of the picture and now doug ford is the front runner of the family and mm -hmm. 
they're very established family in Toronto. Right. And it's very interesting that he would become the premier and not his brother, Rob. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to be a yes person, you're not going to get in office. Exactly. Yeah, basically. yeah. Whoever's willing to play ball. I think uh, Doug Ford and like some of the, oh, John Tory, who's the mayor of our city now. Uh, and then the mayor of Mississauga, which is like a close by mm-hmm. city. They all had meetings with Bill Gates. Of course. <laughs> in like 2019 or 2020 about learning, learning about pandemic management and all this kind of thing. It's like, okay, so you're all from Bill Gates. Like really mother of Christ. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it just feels like the chips are really stacked against us. Like I was emailing our MP, which is like our representative of the um, provincial government. Mm -hmm. She didn't give a shit like about the school, you know, mandatory master schools or right. whatever. They always just quote these like, you know, well, like statements or these, oh, the science shows that this, the science shows that that. Bullshit, your science is faulty as fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? like, the science that you're referencing was paid for by you. Exactly. So, yeah. Hmm, weird. Yes. So yeah. It, it's hard to say. I don't, I honestly don't see it getting much better i mean i hope for a lot of people's sake that some travel restrictions more like the arrive can and stuff will be gone right um i hope enough people have awoken to stop any restrictions on schools again i think parents will be in an uproar if they shut down school again because they just had enough conspiracy theorists or not Right. Like we just people need to work. People but, need their but life. You guys, you guys are typically known to be like a nice nation. So nice. So <laughs> yeah. Was that sarcastic? By the way. Yeah. No, we um, are. We are. You know, traditionally very nice, and that's the problem because so, we are so nice. But do you see people there like being shitful now? Honestly, or do you see, like, most of the population still being like, oh, but, you know, they said so. We're going to just do it. There's definitely more who have had enough. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to stop whatever's Mm -hmm. coming. Um, It's very interesting to me now that my kids have, you know, it's only their second day back to school. But, like, the parents that I had not interacted with. For two years now that i'm back i'm i'm noticing that a lot of their attitude has shifted like within five minutes one dad was like bad melting trudeau and saying well the vax got us nowhere and this and that and i'm like oh really but when my son's birthday was two years ago and i even planned it outdoors you didn't want to come right because you were fucking scared like a little, are little you bitch. waking up now now more people are i think yeah. getting on board but then some people still are like, there's nothing wrong with the mask. My kid didn't well, have a problem with it. And <laughs> here's here's the thing. Okay. If you feel comfortable in a mask and you want to wear one, do you? You're a weirdo, but fine. Don't push your shit on me. <laughs> exactly. That's the same my thing. And, and, and God forgive me for probably ruffling more feathers, but not really because I don't care. <laughs> um. Just like the whole, like, you have to uh, use my pronouns. You have to uh, not offend me. You have to 
uh be okay with the transgender stuff and yep. the in the um you know the uh gender reassignment surgeries yes. for little kids without parental consent and whatever mm -hmm. no 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 i don't have to be okay with anything mm -hmm. that you're okay with yep you do you i'll do me exactly and if you try to shove your shit at me, it is going to be a very bad day for you. Yeah. Very, very bad day. It's mm -hmm. funny because, like, you know, Trudeau had this speech yesterday that I mentioned in the beginning about, you know, we need 90% vaccinated, this and that. Or they're right. throwing uh, all this funding towards uh, identity. Right. Uh, I don't know. What do they call it? <laughs> identity, like, acceptance. And we need Canadians to be who they really are. And, like, right. all this bullshit. And it's like, sorry, are you just like beating us into like I'm gonna I'm gonna oppress you into accepting us. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna oppress you so hard. <laughs> exactly. And that's the way it is here. <laughs> and crazy. that's why I said, you know, if you are somebody that needs to use pronouns, good for you. Right. <laughs> I don't identify as that kind of person. Yep. That needs to be, you know, he, she, her, they, them, we, what, tree, whatever. Right. Uh, I don't need to do that. And yes. so if you do, that's good for you. Mm -hmm. But I'm not that way. And it's not okay for me. No, exactly. But it's funny because then they'll call people who don't want to do that Nazis. But then not Nazi you into like not being a right. Nazi. It's but like, they're being so fascist. Exactly. It's the irony of it, and it's hilarious. It is, and it's the same here with the whole anti-fascist movement, yeah. and we're fighting against basically a, a certain group of people, like Trump supporters. They're fighting against Trump supporters, right. saying that they're fascist. However, you're doing armed security for a president who's literally pushing fascism as we speak. Yeah. Do you not see the irony in what you're doing or the nope. social justice warriors here that are like, oh, we only have to lift up the LBGTQ community and everybody else is garbage. Right. Exactly. Do you but not see a problem with that? By doing that, you're Mindset. excluding and discriminating against other, other groups. A hundred percent. It's just hilarious. I just find the whole thing hysterical. Like yeah. it's a very dark comedy. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, it is. And you know, I, and I feel bad for people because there's so many people that I think want to speak up and want to say things and, and just wish they could really just say what they mean and tell the truth. Yeah. Here's a little hint for those people. You cannot be honest with yourself and be your full, true, complete self if you hide parts of you. Absolutely. And that includes your voice and your feelings. And yeah. if you are irritated about something or you whatever, then stop living through fear and live to be you and who you really are. Absolutely. Speak your truth. And if more people did that, if and that's part of you know Canadians being nice, is that... Um, we often go along to get along. Right. Uh, especially Toronto is like an extremely multicultural city. Right. Uh, maybe one of the most in the world, I think. Right. So, you know, out of respect for people, we don't rock the boat a lot. We mm -hmm. accept a lot 
um, we'll turn our, our, you know, a blind eye to a lot of things that we might personally not agree with. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, we've created this whole other problem, this, Mm -hmm. a a pandemic of nice and nice. Here's the thing. Nice does not always equal good. Right. These are two different things. So people equate nice. And I find it's people without a lot of moral substance. Right. Who think that nice equals being a good person. Right. No, mm-hmm. nice isn't righteousness. Right. Nice isn't goodness. Right. Necessarily. Just like people who can't handle when you speak truth or show them statistics. Mm-hmm. It, it offends them. Right. Because what's inside. Right. You know. And that's fine because if somebody gets offended by something that I say or talk about or where I've had people that are offended because it's something I wore before <laughs> that is absolutely fine. Cause again, it's a them problem. It's not a me problem. Yes. That means that there is something inside of you that needs to be worked on. Totally. And I think that's, you know, partly what I try to like flush out on my show is kind of right. like the, what are these characteristics or like, things that people have gone through that like it seems that a lot of us who've more so been easier to recognize what's going on mm-hmm. we've almost had to deal with that ourselves already right in our own life in some way through like right. our own tragic experience or not even like a huge it doesn't have to be a huge trauma but like right. a lot of us are like the black sheep of our family 100 percent, that's me yeah yep. so i don't know it seems that and you know what that's a badge of honor I think so. Because each one of us was made very individualistically, right? And we are who we are. We are who we were made to be. Yeah. And you know what? I was born to question. I was born to stay on my ground and have morals and values and to not bend those. Yeah. Yeah. We've already gone through that process, uh, a lot of us in our own life or we are not afraid to enter that process continually because i think you have to do that throughout your life many times it's not just a one and done thing um but we are not afraid to do that we're not afraid to face the ugly parts of ourselves you know right um and i think it just it's a life skill and and you know having uh deep-rooted morals and values and belief system okay um that means that you don't have to seek acceptance from other people. Yes. Very good point. Going back to the subject of, you know, people are offended if you don't use their pronouns or, yes. or whatever. You mm-hmm. are seeking acceptance from the rest of society to say that your choice is okay. Yeah. Like, why does it matter? You know, if you want to choose that, great. Why it does doesn't. it matter if yeah. I accept it or not? Yeah. You know? It doesn't. And that's <laughs> the thing is that you know people need to consciously and subconsciously understand that your acceptance lies within you and not anywhere else exactly it's crazy it's almost like you have a pillar of truth within you right but a lot of people who who require this outside acceptance it's like a moral relativism Mm -hmm. and it's like they'll always be it'll never be enough Right. For them, you know, right. Because you're constantly seeking approval and acceptance from other people regarding every part of yourself and every part of your life. Like, you'll never, oh my God, is somebody on social media going to call me a name? Oh my God, am I wearing the right color today? Is my lipstick okay? Is my hair right. good? Did I get a compliment on this? Did I get a compliment exactly. on that? Exactly. How many likes did I get? 
Yeah. And uh, I don't care. It's a culture of narcissism, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sweet Pea, um, any final thoughts for you today? Oh, man. No, not really. Just pray for Canada, guys. Honestly, I, I would appreciate Pray for the world that. in general. Pray for the world, but don't forget about us here, us quiet, nice Canadians, because a lot of us are suffering quietly and nicely and silently. Uh, there are those of us who, who speak out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not been a pleasant time. And it's been, it's been sad to see the country's morale and rights corrode slowly. Right. Um, I hope that there's enough people mad enough that it does not continue at the rate it has right. or will stop completely. I, I have some hope, but I mean, this thing is biblical and mm -hmm. don't, don't give up, you know, resist, right. resist where you can. But at the same time, I think prayer is super powerful. So I do appreciate, you know, keeping Canada in your prayers, please. Amen. Thank 100%. you. Now, where can they find you at, my dear? Oh, so you can find me, my little old self, Teresa.Kassar on Instagram. Uh, or the podcast, The Spiritual Gangsters, is on all the major platforms, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and all those good places. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank I, you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here today because, you know what? We need more women that are vocal. Because yes. um, most of the people in the community that speak out are men for whatever reason. Uh, so the mama bears out there, that's a call to you, a uh, call to action to find your voice and your inner strength and, and fight for your kids and, you know, fight for their futures. If you don't want to fight for your own, fight for them. Yes. And so uh, I'm, I'm honored and blessed that you came on here with me today because you're a brilliant mind. You're a beautiful person. And I just absolutely love your soul. Oh, so, thank you. Likewise. Geez. I'm so, I'm so happy that you're here with me today. So um, my final thought is uh, love one another. Yeah. Be nice to each other. Uh, you don't have to like everyone. You don't have to accept everyone. Uh, but be a nice person, be a good person. And, uh, don't forget that, you know, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, uh, through God, all things are possible. And Amen. so, uh, <laughs> the end of this story is going to be a good one if you have beliefs. So I think so. I think it's yep. all to our benefit in the end, as Amen. much as we maybe can't see that at the moment, but Amen. I think so. Yes. And every day people learn and grow through, uh, their faith and and you know finding experience and going through experience in in life and getting closer to God is super important during Absolutely. these times. So, anyways, yeah. so for me and the beautiful, lovely Asapasa Meatball Teresa, <laughs> uh, we love you bunches. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.